0: So to this morning we are honored to have with us two pastors that I have admired from a distance. We uh, to be honest with you I'm getting to know them and but I know here's what I said about I told Pam last night my wife I said I'm so excited about being with Phil and Holly, Philip and Holly and, and I said I don't know them that well but I know people who know them well. And they are so every time I hear your names I hear these um, unbelievable comments about the two of you, the faithfulness, your integrity, uh, just the way you live life, and so it's really an honor to sit up here on the stage and get to know you in front of everyone. So we're so glad to have Phil and Holly Wagner, our pastors at Oasis Church in Los Angeles. They have uh, they started the church in 1984 yep. when you were 12 we were years 12, old. Yep. Yeah, you were 12. <laughs> That's amazing. 12 year olds planting churches in LA. Nice. There's no way you're that old. Uh, but we're so honored to have you. They have two grown kids a 29 year old son, a 25 year old daughter who's about yes. to get married.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. <laughs> That's going to be a great. Uh, but they have been faithfully pastoring Oasis Church in LA for over 30 years now. You can do the math 32 years, I guess. And as I have watched their ministry unfold throughout the years, when we were putting together this conference, you were the first people I put on my list to to call.
2: That's nice. Nice. And
0: uh, the reason is because I'm looking for pastors who have been faithful in their city, faithful to Mm -hmm. their congregation, faithful to one another, faithful to do what God's called you to do. And uh, so today we want to have a conversation. Basically
2: people who didn't quit and didn't kill somebody. (laughs)
0: Exactly. (laughs) You stayed out of prison and uh, we appreciate that. You did a good job with that. (laughs) But uh, this morning, we're just I, what I want is just to kind of let us into your world a bit through a okay. conversation. Uh, and by the way, if you haven't downloaded the New Life app, do that right now and listen at the same time. Um, and because we're going to take some questions later, and the way to give us those questions is in the New Life app. It's very easy to do that. Download the app. You'll see conference. Hit conference. You'll see Q&A. Hit Q&A. And then there's a really easy uh, way to send us some questions. So you guys pastor together. You're, you're, yes. uh, the way you described it in my office, I was more confused after I asked the question. But, <laughs> but, you, uh, but you have this beautiful way. Let me say it this way. You, you seem to do it well, pastor alongside one another. So let me ask a question. How many of you, husbands and wives uh, in the room today, both of you have a role at the church? Both of you are, In other words, you're ministering together at the church. Raise your hand if you're a couple here today and you're ministering together. Okay? Wow. There's a lot of you yeah. out there.
1: How many aren't sure if
0: you How many of do you don't not? know <laughs> if what you... How many if that's too painful of a question to raise your hand? <laughs> raise your hand. Okay. So how do you guys, how did you make that work? It is complicated. My wife and I, yeah. my, uh, my wife Pam is a part-time here at the church, so she spends 15 hours a week or so here, um, and it's challenging yeah. to go home together and talk about work and to navigate all of the, the problems and the roadblocks. Uh, how, did, how have you guys made that work? How have you done I'll that well together? I'll talk about the good
2: things, and you can talk about the challenges. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, it, there are great things to it, which is uh, a great benefit to have both of you leading together.
2: And, yeah, and, yeah. and I, one of the things I just see is the best home to raise children in is a two-parent home. And I think the church is the house of God, and the healthy church – has two parents, has the masculine and the feminine voice, the mother and the father of the house. And so I think that, you know, brings some strength. Yeah. And the fact that we work together, we don't have to... Um, I understand bad days. I understand challenges in ministry. It's not like he has to come home and explain a, an organization I don't understand or the same with him. So we we get to dream together and plan together and be passionate about the same thing. So I think there is a benefit to that now you can talk about the challenges
1: yeah if you can if you can uh not feel like quitting on the same day like yeah. if
2: <laughs> if this she's up when
1: i'm down and i'm up and she's down it works it out it
2: works out like that it's good
1: yeah um not every um pastor's wife is a, a teaching has a teaching gift or a leadership gift but still the presence of uh the Marriages is important, but um, I think the, the challenges for us have been just the idea of co-pastoring. It, it's still, you have to have areas of leadership that you speak over. We, we talk things over. We pray about things together. We, um, we try to have the meeting before the meeting when we're in a staff situation so that we've sort of talked through a little bit, but... Um, you know, the staff, if they see one of us in the hall, they're assuming this is one of the leaders. But she has different ideas about different things in the church. So we just try to communicate, like, direct questions in this area here and, and so that we can avoid some confusion.
2: Because in the beginning, I think we were both speaking into same areas and confusing people. And so we, just, we, we each have lanes to run in now. So I speak into this area, and I have full authority to speak into this area, and then, you know, he's got areas. So it's just that that cleared it up so that we could stay married and didn't confuse people. <laughs> Hers is
1: the fast lane.
2: <laughs> yes, it's <that's Mine>, true. <laughs>
0: mine is the other We're four. We're picking up on that already. But, well, that that was the question I was going to ask you to clarify, because oftentimes uh, when, when two, a couple is working together, when it's going great, it's awesome. When it goes bad, it's horrible. Yeah. And I think you just gave us a really uh, – uh, a lot of wisdom there about defining your roles clearly, yeah. and about running in your lanes. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Like, what are your lanes, and what? How have you guys made that work?
2: Well, and they evolve. Do you know what? I, what? Thirty years ago, when we were starting the church, I did everything but lead worship because I'm terrible, and and I I ran the overhead. How many of you remember overhead overhead projector? Thank you very much. I was in the worship team because I did the overhead, but. <laughs> But it, so things, you know, as you grow and as the gift gets clear in you, then it, you know, it evolves. So I just think just because this because this lane is your lane right now, it doesn't mean it's going to be it forever. But um, there have been times. So for example, I would oversee all of our community outreach. So the people that work that report work in that area report to me. I give ideas, direction, and then have conversation with him about what we're doing but I have full authority to run in those lanes. And then he would, the creative arts person would report to him who oversees that. So I don't really speak into that area unless I go, hey, Philip, I heard this great song about how fierce God's love is. We should do that song, yeah. as opposed to me going straight to the worship leader, which is where we met messed up before. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, we're, it's. Uh, I think the key to what you were saying was the, the people who were over the departments were clearer than who they reported to, as far as organizing, leading, and so forth. And um, but just like the other pastors on team, we we might have a pastor meeting and we're all throwing out ideas right. and making suggestions. And then when we leave, we're, we're making decisions. And that pastor's over this area and she's over that. And and uh, but it's easy to uh, you know for the worship be under me and for Holly to go. Oh, isn't that song, The Great I Am? Awesome. Let's do that next week. You know, And we're like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Because then people aren't sure what to do next.
0: I think that's, that, that is so brilliant, what you're saying. Clarity is the key. Really making sure that people are clear about your roles and your assignments. All right, let's talk about family, because this is one of the big topics I want to unpack today. You've raised two children. They're both now adults. They're in their 20s. Uh, and they grew up at Oasis. They're obviously, yeah. they were born there. Uh, it's yeah. like you were... Uh, uh, a mom with two little kids, you were a dad with two small kids trying to plant a church. What did you guys do right? What did you, when you look back on those, those pivotal years when your kids were really small, we have a lot of young yeah. pastors out here that are planting churches. We have yeah. a lot of young pastors who are on staff at churches, and they have small kids, and they're trying to balance parenting and pastoring. How did you guys get that right? What did you do right during that time when they were small? Let's see. What did we, we do right?
1: We, we did some things right and <laughs> others not as right. Um, we, uh, I think one of the things that we did was um, just starting the conversation that w- with your kids, we don't talk about our personal financial problems in front of the children. We we do that ourselves. Um, but then when it comes to church things, we're careful of what we say in front of them. If there's a especially a people problem or... You know, I come home, or she comes home, and there's a frustration. We we save those conversations, or we're we want to be honest and we want to be real, but also we don't want to give them baggage that when they go to church, they're thinking, "Oh, there's that guy that's you know done this." So we try to be a little protective yeah. that way. That's one yeah, thing. Yeah, I,
2: I, I love the church, and I wanted my children to love the church, so I we never put pressure on them to be anything. Just love Jesus. And from the front, many times we would say to our congregation as well as to our staff, look, we're not going to expect your children to be perfect. So please don't expect ours to be perfect. And they're going to make mistakes and we're going to love them back just like I'm going to love your kids when they make mistakes. And so I just think we set up that culture from the beginning. And then I do think there is this pressure that we have to live this life where it's you know god first family second church. and how do you do that it's you, we can't live a linear life it doesn't work like that and so for me it's 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 more thus my relationship with jesus and his holy spirit is the center of my life and so everything comes out of that so there are moments and seasons when i i just am led by the spirit of god like my husband needs my time. You know, he needs me to make out with him right now. And then, <coughs> there well, not right now, but you know what I mean. And then.
0: That was not on my list of questions, <laughs> by the way.
2: And then there are times when I realized my, there was a moment when my, you know, daughter was in her early teens and I, I just knew the amount of investment I needed to spend there was crucial. So I leaned there. And then there are times in church life when you're launching something new or building something so you're led there. And I just think if you are give yourself the freedom to be led by his spirit, then you will actually invest in areas that you need to and you will do it guilt free. I
0: I tell I tell you I think that's beautiful. I tell young couples that there will be times where my family does get the leftovers of my time. Yeah. But it's not all the time. That's right. And there are days when the church is gonna get the leftovers of my energies, but it's not all the time. And it's finding that it's it's having a discernment about when uh, your family needs your attention and when the church needs your attention and being able to manage those energies and managing those priorities. It seems like you guys did that really well. What did did you do? When you look back, we all have regrets. And, you know, it's like I think parenting is like jumping out of an airplane. You get one chance to do it right. And you hope that, you know, the parachute opens. And uh, when looking back on your parenting, though, what would you have done differently? Anything that you would have looked back and said... um, I would do that differently now. And uh, is there anything that would stick out to you guys about your parenting?
1: Um, I think I would have um, tried, uh, uh, this is still a challenge for me today. I think I would, would have tried to be more present in the moment. And um, I was with them a lot. I made that decision. So I rarely missed a basketball game. They both played basketball. I rarely missed those kind of school events. My daughter was really into horseback riding, and so those people like to do it on Sunday. So um, sometimes I would have, uh, you know, uh, I'm more into horses than Holly, so sometimes he she would. He thinks
2: the smell of a barn is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So she would, she would
1: speak, or we'd have a guest, and I would go there. So, but still, in the day-to-day things, sometimes I feel like I'm with them thinking I need to do this over here. And then when I'm at church, I'm like, oh, I should have spent more time. <laughs> so just like being present with my kids, this um, is something I wish I could have done better.
2: Do you know, one thing I do think that we did, and I, if I could recommend this, uh, you know, how you do some things, you go, oh, that was good, um, is we intentionally um, provided people in our children's world that they could go to. So when they We had coming-of-age ceremonies for both of our kids because I think our culture sometimes misses that, and it's a really good thing to do. So when we did that, then we provided people who were older than them but younger than us, so that means they were cool because, you know, there comes a time when we're not cool. And that saved us in so many instances. My daughter, when she went through a really hard time, she went to those young women, and they kept her on a journey and on the path, and the same with my son. And I just think that was one of the good things that we did. Just some great people, whether it's you know youth pastors and just kind of the big brothers and big sisters in their world. That was anyway a good idea.
0: Talk about <laughs> talk about rest and rhythm and Sabbath. How did you guys model that with your kids? Um, how did you make those times a priority for your family? Did you look back? You look back over vacations and. Sabbaths and weekends and uh, times with your family. How did you guys make that a priority? How does that w- look for you guys when they were little and young? Uh, yeah. How did that look when you're plant? You know, a, a, you're planting a church. The church is growing. The church is demanding. How did you guys make that a priority?
1: Yeah, um, you know, we, we for somehow we figured out early the importance of vacation. And when you have a smaller church and and you're one of the few staff members, it's hard to do that. But uh, we made that a priority, and one of the things we figured out is even when we could only afford to go uh, drive somewhere for a couple of days, we would have a Philip and Holly vacation and a family vacation. So if it was two days with the kids and two days without kids, because sometimes vacation with kids is not that relaxing.
0: Amen.
2: <laughs> it's tr- I agree. No, it's called a trip. A vacation <laughs> is without the kids. A trip is with I love the kids. That.
0: I love that, and so I don't feel guilty for laughing too. That was that's amazing. That's the that's we can drop the mic and walk away right now. That was amazing.
1: <laughs> so, uh, you know, so then we could afford more or people more people in our lives. So we would do a week with the kids, and then we would go and do a week ourselves. And sometimes it was back to back or separated, but we just tried to give that extra time to. Keep remembering why we got married and why we love each other and then and to just enjoy
2: the kids and have fun with them and and we still do it that way I mean our kids are grown and they still want to come on vacation with us partly because we pay for it whatever <laughs> <laughs> but, but mostly we, right. mostly <laughs> but but we still do it that way so there's a week that's no you can't come here you can come this week
0: Well, I hear this from ministry couples a lot that there are three competing entities competing for your your passion and your love. You have the church, you have the kids, and you have your marriage. And all three of those things are competing for your energy, your time, and your passion. So you guys just hit upon something that I want you to unpack even more. How did you guys keep your marriage vibrant and alive, your friendship, your relationship, your romance even when your kids are competing for your time the church is such a demanding place it is demanding of our time and energy how did you guys make marriage a priority how did you guys stay in love how did you guys look up here we are 30 years later and you're still friends and you still like each other how did that happen well
1: I, I think initially we hit a wall and we were really struggling in our marriage just uh, Liking each other, and we, I was trying to change her, and she's trying to change me, and and so uh, that didn't work, still hasn't. But, um, <laughs> but we really learned some things to help our marriage and our relationship. And we felt like the best thing for our kids was to have a healthy marriage, and the best thing for our church is to have a healthy marriage because if our marriage goes south, then that's gonna create heartbreak for everybody. So we tried to to make that more of a priority. And I remember Holly would talk about early on when our first child, our son was born, that there was a our whole world started revolving around him and she sorted it out before I did, but she felt like God spoke to her. You want to talk just about um not being Yeah, so- I just
2: made my son the center and like, "Oh, Philip, I'll get to you later." And that's not really good and so i started to feel this little distance here and children are awesome but the marriage has to stay at the top of the food chain and so i think that's what we realized a long time ago so the marriage has to be a marriage only works when it's a marriage centered marriage when you yeah. do the work together and we've had some you know some real we've had some real moments of challenge and they've come at at different seasons of life and church and and we have not been uh afraid to get help because sometimes it takes it takes somebody from the outside looking at your marriage going philip you're all wrong here which i loved when they said that right and that was stop
1: going to that guy
2: (laughs) (laughs) we need to go back to that guy anyway Or here, he, you know, just somebody looking from the outside because you can get so in your own world. And so, I, if you know, have some, whether it's, you know, somebody in this room or that you're in ministry with, but get some help to help navigate seasons because there are seasons in a marriage, and you want to, you you have to be in this for the long haul. Yes. And I think that's the thing that we realize we're in this for the long haul. I'm in this for the long haul with my church, so I'm gonna have to learn things about getting through seasons in church, and I'm in this my marriage for the long haul, so I have to be willing to get input and help and be honest about challenges, and, you know, we've had them, so, but we're still here, and we still like (laughs) each other, and we learn to, um, are are you patting me because you want me to shush? Okay. Um, Yeah, that's
1: the signal under the table. Under
2: the table, he's like, (laughs) I think, here, we're going to, (laughs) this will help you right here. How many of you in here, you are married? Okay, Philip is about to give you kissing lessons. Come on. Yeah, this will help. Yes, it's really gonna help you.
1: Okay. Um, we, we you'll you'll forget
2: everything else, but you'll remember this.
1: Okay, so there are... In, in my view, there's three kinds of kisses. And... Um, we can stop the live feed at this point. This yeah. is... This is uh, no, go ahead. <laughs> there, the first one is... There's, there's the Don't Mess Up My Lipstick Kiss which is like on your way out the door, and it's mostly air. And <laughs> men don't like lipstick to wear anyway, so yeah, that happens. And then there is um, the, the, the middle one is a, what we call a 10-second kiss. It's kind of like just that moment where you're, you're not just going through the motions, but it's sort of like, kiss me like you mean it, like recognize that who you are kissing and, you know, um, but we talk about that as a touch point in communication and a marriage in a number of ways. And and, um, the third kiss is the one where you go, hmm, you got another 30 minutes? (laughs) And, And so we're really familiar with the first one and the last one. But the second one is that one that sort of the heart of the relationship where you're connecting with each other, just even for a moment, like, how are you? And um, you know, what's been funny is that when I'm often the one saying, kiss me like you mean it, like a check-in moment, and she loves that, and I get lots of points, and there's a lot more opportunity for that last one than when you do this <laughs> one.
2: There you go. You're welcome. You go. See, that that wasn't was worth as coming to the conference right there.
0: That was worth the conference. <laughs> well, you, you guys are not. Let's get more awkward then. If we're going to get awkward, let's get awkward. But the, um, I love that, by the way. <laughs> there is something that happens in ministry marriages where we stop showing affection to one another. It happens in, uh, in the real world, but it also happens in ministry marriages just uh, liking one another, just caring for one another, paying attention to one another. Um, how do you guys manage your energy though? I mean, uh, so how do you guys make a, a priority to have something left in the tank for, for marriage? And how did you guys, uh, I mean, what, what's the difficulty in that? Coming home, in other words, you work together, you come home yeah. exhausted. How, how do you regulate that? In other words, you, Pam and I, we have this rule that we don't go more than three or four days where we come home exhausted. Because we realize yeah. that puts our marriage in, number one, we become, both become vulnerable when our tanks are empty for long periods of time. So we have this rule, every three or four days, we're gonna manage our schedule as best we can so that the day that that we prioritize one another, that we have our primary energies are spent on one another and not on something else. How do you guys manage that? Um, Because it's easy to look up one day and and you're gone two months without really kissing and without really looking at each other, without having unhurried conversations even. How did you guys? What, what are some of the practical things that you learned along the way?
1: Yeah, I heard you say that in a talk about the unhurried conversation, and that I really like that. I, I think that um, it's managing your personal rhythm, and as well as a relationship rhythm. And um, I, I read your um, book, uh, "Addicted to Busy," and so it's something that it's a struggle. You know, to uh, like set that day as a Sabbath and and just have it for relaxing and 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 having that same kind of focus in in relationship, but um, I often we we come to that point where it's like I married you not be so that we could run a church together. I married you because you're fun and I love you and I want to do life with you, and and the reality is sometimes you find yourself in that mode where. Um, It's just like, really, I don't want to sit down and solve a problem with you right now. I just want to have dinner and not talk about church.
2: (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, because sometimes after, um, you know, we've gone through some, just like many of you and those of you who are starting church, it's coming your way. But there will be challenging seasons in church and painful seasons. And there were days we would come home and I would just want to watch movies where, like, people blew up and stuff because (laughs) it was... Like the more the better, and it was awesome. And so, um, you
1: know those romantic movies. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> but but the same time that what he said, we it's like we I love to talk church when it's about dream and vision and where we're headed and the exciting things. But if every conversation we have is about people problems or challenges, then that is not going to be great and so we've had to be intentional about that and then also about not being distracted there are times I'll say to him this this is going to be a phone-free dinner which means you're not going to be distracted by Instagram pop-ups or Twitter or whatever's coming you can talk to those people later but right now it's me and so we just had to set those kind of boundaries because there's so much distraction. I try not to
1: have a shock look of hopelessness like no phone <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: when you know no phone no kisses right that's the good rule right there that (laughs) motivates me you just you touched on something there holly um you know there's a we always joke around here at new life about the lego movie the song in the lego movie everything's awesome when you're a part of a team Mm -hmm. it's like the biggest lie right now in all of humanity by the way is that song and um it's not awesome when you're a part of a team it's challenging right so you guys for 30 years have been a part of a team so can you describe but there's a lot of us sitting in the room today that are disappointed by behaviors and by the team that we work with. That Obviously, you've gone through seasons of disappointment. How do you deal with that so that you don't become cynics, so that you keep your hope alive for the people that are around you? I know you've been disappointed probably. Can you share some of that, uh, how you navigated disappointing seasons when you were working with a team of people, people that probably started the church with you? People that came, co-labored with you and you looked up one day and they're gone and they left in a harmful way or they left in a bad way. How did you guys manage the condition of your soul during those seasons of, of, of life?
2: Philip said one thing to me one time that was right after one of the most heartbreaking situations when somebody left us that, and left. you know, I, I just think it's not that hard to leave well. And... A lot of people don't do that way. <laughs> they leave bad. And I'm like, well, if you're going to go, can you shut your mouth on the way out the door? No. Okay. Anyway, so heartbreaking. I'm just thinking I knew that person when they came in. They were a hot mess. Their marriage is a mess. Their life was a mess. They encountered Jesus here. They are who they are because of this environment. So. And then they leave badly. And I remember Philip said to me one time, he said, Holly, you have to see this as if we're preaching to a parade and you give everything that you have to the people who are right in front of you. And some of them come off the stand, you know, out of the parade and help you then. But the parade is continually moving. And he so said, you have to hold people lightly. And so for me, my I'm the extrovert in the room. I'm people person. I, I So holding people lightly, no, I want to, like, hold them like this, right? No, you can't go. I don't keep everybody stay together. So that was really hard for me to do. But once he painted that picture for me it, it did help it doesn't mean you never get hurt but I just have to go okay God they're actually your people and you deal with them and I'm gonna love the next group of people who are right that right.
0: is a beautiful metaphor that is so helpful to me that was so good Holly um seeing that seeing people come in and out of your lives people that you cared about you trust you have poured your life into them and then they move on yeah. some in a good way some yeah. in a bad way Philip, how about yourself? Uh, are you? Would you say that I stole that, you- that
1: metaphor, by the way, by from another pastor. So but we, I'm all, not we all you do that. Who, so. so, yeah, um, yeah it, it's. Uh, I heard somebody else say something like it, it's. Uh, it's like on being on a bus, and on every bus stop, some people get on and some people get off, and um, the, don't miss the significance of what she said about holding people lightly because there's a dichotomy in there. Because as a pastor, now we're in LA, so the turnover of people just in the city is massive. So you might be in an area where the, the turnover isn't as big, but it, there's the congregational turnover every year, and then there's the city. staff and leaders and, and so forth as well. But um, holding people lightly is that you, we would say, we wanna do life together. And we do, but we also want God's will for people's life. And I can miss, I can misunderstand what God's purpose is for somebody. I may not see the timing that they see. And so I hold them because I love them. I want to be in their life. I want to know their kids, but I've had to hold lightly because uh, sometimes God has callings and that emerges that I wasn't thinking about. And, And so I've tried to be gracious. Um, but we always try to set that standard, like tr- transition gracefully, because how you go out is how you're going to come in yeah. to the next thing. And that has uh, been a disappointing thing. It's, um, it's easy to use these cliches and, and metaphors, but then to do it. Um, one of the things I've told other pastors is to try to keep um, a soft heart and tough skin with what people say or how they do things. or um, And it's, it's not a good thing when you have soft skin and a tough heart. And you're almost n- not in a place to be able to minister well. And I've found myself there a couple of times. And um, so really m- managing your soul with people, you can get cynical and wonder who you trust. One of the things that we for a period of time, all of our best friends were staff. And when there had been some big transitions with people, we were thinking, like, who do we go to? A lot of our next-level friends were pastors outside the area, and so you can always call and talk. But I just tried to to develop our friendships a little more strategically. that Because sometimes we thought these guys are our friends regardless of staff or church but then when they start to leave staff then we realize oh well it doesn't feel like there's a lot of friendship here and that was that was surprising yeah.
0: that, uh, i think uh, there's a difference between signing the back of the check and signing the front of the check um, and I t- we talk about this sometimes about there. There's a different weight of responsibility when you sign both sides of the check. Yeah. That unless you've done both of those, uh, it's very difficult uh, to feel like you can be friends. With the- I'm grateful that truly my closest yeah. friends are on staff here, yeah. and they are my friends uh, for life. But it is difficult to manage that boss friend relationship. How have you done that? Uh, how, what's the balance there?
2: Well, I th- I think the um, the weight of the relationship is actually not on the boss, but the other person. It's like, the, can they take off the hat and be, you know, there was a friend in my life, she knew when I was Holly the boss and when we were going to go be Holly the friend, and she knew how to Are you just saying navigate. it's harder
1: for them? Yes, sometimes,
2: I, but the, the pressure's on them to to do that, to understand when I'm Holly the boss and Holly the friend, and and I think for me, one of the things that we've had some conversations with a bunch of young church planters, and my encouragement is to make sure that you are connecting with other church leaders, other church planters, yeah. building relationships with other people who's, who are fully invested in building the church. And so, yes, have friends on your staff because what a drag to work with people you don't like. That would be terrible. So, hire people you like. And at the same time, have really great friends with people who are also building the church. Um, because those are the ones that you can get input from that will be helpful to navigate some tough seasons.
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I, you know, H- Holly's the extrovert. Um,
2: There's I'm, one in every marriage.
1: I'm, a, I'm more of an introvert, but I'm very relational. And so, um, but I'll get real honest and vulnerable. And I found sometimes I said too much. If I'm discouraged and I say too much to those, on like, key leaders on staff, they could get discouraged, and so it's, it was important for me to have pastor friends who understand that yep. and know they they felt that same way and still kept going, and so uh, managing those circles of intimacy and trust. But but um, I'd love to hear from you. you what do you, what do you think? I'd i like some insight. How do you not get bitter?
2: Because <laughs> yeah. we don't want to get bitter.
0: Well, I I think it, it, it's tough because you let people into your heart. You. Um, Pam and I, I, it was three years ago, I'll never forget, it was the summer of 2014, and we were going on sabbatical, our first sabbatical we'd had in a long, long time, and we are driving to Denver, and my wife looked at me, Pam, she said, Brady, uh, I want to make a covenant with you that we don't become cynics, because I, I think I'm becoming cynical. And she had gone through this uh, season where someone that she had become really good friends with had betrayed her, and turned out not to be her friend. Right. And she said, I want to make sure that we guard our hearts, yeah. that we don't become cynics. Because we need friends. We're relational people. We love people. We want friends. We need friends. We're lonely without friends. Yeah. And, but we, most of our time is spent at church, though. Yeah. And so it turns out that most of our close friends right. are going to be at church. Yeah. And so when church doesn't go well for them and they leave yeah. or they leave the staff, um, it's, it's painful. Yeah. It's hurtful. And so I think it's a constant process of, of guarding your heart, making sure that we don't become cynics, and that we keep allowing people in. Uh, you yeah. know, that's the risk of love. Every, every relationship that's based on love is also based on an inherent risk, yeah. Yeah. that they're going to abuse that love, right. that they're going to harm you. And that's what makes love so risky and so beautiful and so powerful, is that there's this risk that you're going to get mistreated. Right. But the moment you decide, I'm not going to let you get too close to me. I'm not going to let you get too close to me. I know so many pastors yeah. who truly don't know how to love anymore. Yeah. They don't know what it means to love. So how can we preach on the, the nature of love right. if we've not put our hearts in the, in the battle, if we have not allowed our hearts to be exposed? Uh, and, and so I, I wish I could say something more positive, say, hey, you're never going to feel pain anymore. But I'll tell you this. Yeah, I'm 50 years old, and the rewards I get from my friendships yeah. are well worth the risk that I'm yeah. taking. Absolutely, they're more powerful than any risk I'm taking right yeah. now. I, I would not want to live a single moment of my life without uh, close friends near me. And don't,
1: don't you hate it when you have to practice what you tell other people to do about loving relationships, forgiving, and, that, and stuff? And oh. you got to go ahead and follow your own advice. And
2: yeah. I think there was a time in church history, the generation before us, that they ended up pretty isolated. And so hmm. that's to me what I saw, and I I'm not I'm not gonna do that. Uh, people are it's all about people and hanging out and.
0: Where we become very dangerous when we you know there's a difference between isolation and solitude. Yeah. Solitude is when I'm alone with the Lord. Solitude is when I've quieted my soul and allowed God to to have no interruptions between me and Him. That's solitude. Yeah. And but there's a difference between isolation. Isolation is yeah. when I've withdrawn from everything, including yeah. God. Yeah. And isolation is dangerous. Yeah, so yeah, solitude yeah. is life. In fact, if you're not, if we don't have a a common practice of solitude, we become just as dangerous yeah. as if we don't have a practice of of of, of isolation yeah. or solitude. Solitude and isolation are completely different. I don't want to be isolated from people, yeah. um, because I don't like the person I become when I do. Oh, people yeah, that, are weird. Yeah, They're they are weird. weird. That's a. I'm weird
1: though. Yeah. That's <laughs> a great <laughs> distinction, but the isolation and solitude, and and you know, people. Uh, talk about our culture today with social media, and you think that you've got a lot of friends because of what your uh, Facebook or Instagram friends say, how many you have, but it's a substitute for real relationships. And while that's insightful, pastors have been doing that for a long time. They say, I look at all these people in our ministry. Yep. They're my friends, but it's are friends with a crowd. And then being able to have those one-on-one relationships is really the, what makes a difference.
0: Really, uh, it's very it's very easy for a pastor to be best friends with thousands of people for 30 minutes a week. Mm-hmm. And, and lonely for the rest of the week. Yeah. It truly is. And I don't want to be that person. No. But we have about five minutes left. So this afternoon, we're going to be tackling a big topic. What do we want from Sunday mornings? It's a big topic that Pastor Glenn and Pastor Daniel, they're going to talk about worship. And what, what are we trying to accomplish? What? What do we want to happen on a Sunday morning or in a weekend gathering service? Could you, could you guys tell us when you, when you gather on Sunday morning at Oasis Church in Los Angeles, what do you want to happen? What, is, uh, what are your goals for those meetings? Uh, and how are you making that work? What, what is, when you guys are driving home from a Sunday and you look at one another and say, that was a good Sunday, why, why are you saying that? What, what causes it to be a good Sunday?
1: I think that there is, uh, one of the things that makes it a challenge is that there are many things that take place on a Sunday. Really the strength and the heartbeat of the church is after Sunday. Um, The relationships, the ministry, the things that get done. But that's the rallying point for for us and so we think uh, an attitude of celebration and worship is so key because you can worship at home, but there's just something different when you come together. Yep. That, um, so we're looking for that. And we're looking for um, connecting with people. Um, so it's people entering into the community. So um, uh, reaching out, loving people, getting a name, connecting, and that's a big part of what our volunteers and ministers do is, is helping people take that next step whatever it might be, and um, then our church is very um, evangelistic, Um, I I wouldn't have thought I was an evangelist, but a lot of people get saved when every week, no matter what we talk about, and um, I even taught on tithing a couple of weeks ago, we had like 25 people in each service get saved which was, I was like, wow, that must have been God. <laughs> That's usually when people go, oh, shoot, I brought him on the wrong week. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but um, so I'm, I'm looking for that connection with people, the spirit of the presence of God felt, and then just our heart is to reach people far from God. And so to see people who make a decision by what they experience and observe to come to Christ is, is important to us.
2: And I guess the only thing I would add to that is that I think p- people in our cities and our communities are so beaten down by life that when they walk into the house of God, I want them to encounter in the atmosphere hope and joy. And I want them to be told that they can get through this and that there is hope there. So our, our, from our volunteers to how we communicate on the platform, it's not a be. You know, beating down, it's a come on, like that atmosphere.
0: That's beautiful. I'm so grateful for you today. Uh, We're going to give you a break, and uh, and we're going to have you back up in in about 30 or 40 minutes to take some questions from from all of you. So right now, if you have questions, go to the app, fill out that Q&A. What we're going to do now, though, we're going to uh, transition to uh, what we call talking points. And I've asked four people on our staff to give, uh, for lack of a better word, a TED Talk based on what we just talked about up here, to unpack some of these topics in, in eight to nine minutes. So four of our staff are going to come up uh, very quickly, and they're going to spend eight to nine minutes unpacking uh, some of these key topics that we touched on today. While they are talking, I want you to continue to write down questions, send us questions, because what they're about to share with you is going to lead to some great questions and answers in just a few minutes. So. Bill and Holly, thank you so much. You so much we'll have that you that back I in just a moment. You Would you give them you. a giant hand today?